This is Outside the Arc with Coach R.J. Barsh, discussing the game of basketball with players and coaches from around the world of hoops, presented by NBC Basketball Camps. This is Coach Barsh, and I'm actually not in my locker room this episode. I am in the Pacific Northwest uh, with a dear friend of mine and a, a colleague, someone who has seen camps in 15 different, what, 15 different countries. <laughs> I mean, 250,000 kids going through camps, NBC camps, which has been a pillar in so many basketball communities. But what I don't think people know about Jennifer Furch, who's got brilliant guest today, is one of the pillars of NBC is being able to motivate, inspire, and build better players and better people. But you can only do that when you have educated, skillful leaders. And she has a master's in psychology uh, from Gonzaga. And she speaks to not only basketball communities, not only sports communities, not only volleyball and theater, but she goes into businesses and she teaches leaders how to motivate so they can understand how leaders motivate. And so today we have Jennifer uh, in the locker room in the Pacific Northwest. How are you doing today? I love being with you. Yes. It's great to be here and talk about leadership and how do we make our lives better. So let's start with this question. So there's coaches that are definitely listening to this podcast um, and they're going to go in their locker room and it's going to be their first team meeting. You know, as a leader who's been in many meetings and and see what works, what would you say are some of the some of the things that you should do to motivate in your first meeting? I think the first thing you have to do is really outline what kind of leader you want to be. So if your mindset is community, um, collaboration, unity, you're going to demonstrate that in the very first meeting. So when you look at bad leaders, they're going to be micromanaging, they're going to be apathetic, they're going to be angry. So you want to identify what a good leader looks like, and then you want to motivate on those things. Well, that's interesting because I think a lot of times as coaches, what we tend to do is only watch what good leaders do. And you said something there. You said that you take some things that bad leaders do and make sure you don't do those things. I mean, most people will, will talk about what good leaders do. What are some things that bad leaders do? What are some things that we need as coaches we probably just stay away from or not do? I think all of us kind of have experienced a bad leader. Yeah. And leaders indicate power and they indicate energy. So what does that leadership, what kind of energy does that leadership create? And I think in coaching, um, there's intent and there's impact. And it's really important to understand as a leader, there's a difference. So you may really intend to inspire and to motivate, but until you understand that impact, you are not doing your job. And there's a disconnect between those two for a lot of coaches. So that coach that thinks they're being motivational, if that player doesn't feel inspired, you didn't do your job. So you gotta understand not only your own intent, but the impact that you're having. From that student you know I know uh, the the model that NBC has is you know uh, we follow those in front of us and so as a coach you know how important is it to have a good leader that you can model yourself after well we have proven track record and will be worthy of being imitated those are the wait wait let, let's talk about <laughs> that we said uh, worthy of being imitated yeah and so that's somebody like a mentor, like yes. So coaches, if you're listening to this right now, uh, who are you imitating as a coach and what makes them worthy to be imitated? Even if it's a coach we love what they do on the court or we like what they do off the court, 
are they worthy of the kind of praise that we're giving them? Make sure that you find somebody that's, uh, what is it? Proven track, Proven track record, record. And worthy of being imitated. And worthy of being imitated. That's that's big. And you know, this is my locker room, so I cut people off all the time. But we're going <laughs> to go ahead and let you finish finish that thought. Why is having that in your life so crucial to being a good leader? I think a lot of us have blind spots. We can't see everything about ourselves. And when someone is speaking in, uh, in front of others, there's a tendency and a bias to assume everyone's with you and everyone sees it the same way. And a great leader steps outside themselves and steps into the impact that they're having. They're noticing, how is my, my player responding? Are they shutting down? What's their energy level? Do they feel inspired? Have I just cut off their joy? Have I cut off their passion for what they're doing? Or are they feeling more motivated? So a coach is always putting themselves from a different point of view. And having a mentor requires that discipline. It requires the ability to see yourself from different points of view and to notice, okay, this is a blind spot for me. And, you know, we want to work on our weaknesses. We want to notice our weaknesses and be open to our weaknesses so that we don't have any. And we're pushing that. Michael Jordan talks about that all the time. Show me my weaknesses. And a lot of coaches are really afraid to look at their weaknesses. Don't be afraid. Yeah. You know, that's um, that's very important. I know even as a coach, uh, one thing that I've tried to 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 make sure I take care of all my blind spots. Yeah. And uh, as a leader, when you when you are being led, one thing that I've done for my mentors is I, it's called the red carpet conversation. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll talk to my mentor and I'll literally say to him, listen, you have the authority to be brutally honest with me if there's an area that I'm very weak in. I see, I think as coaches, we operate with such a big ego that even our mentors sometimes are fearful of telling us the truth. And what it sounds like you're saying is the really good leaders don't don't avoid the truth that reveals their weakness. Like they need to know where it's at. And when I find my weakness, if I can't fix it, I hire somebody who's very strong uh, uh, in that area. When I talk about leadership, I give the example of an eye. And so an eye that is damaged, like say it has a cataract or there's something wrong with its eye, it literally looks at life and you see the problem everywhere you look. And when you have a clear eye, when you're seeing clearly, you're not impacted by yourself. And so a troubled leader, someone that is not seeing life clearly, who's angry, who's bitter, who doesn't see life well, everything that they look at is impacted. And so your eye is not meant to see the dysfunction. It's meant to not recognize it. So the more healthy you are as a leader, the better and clearer you'll be able to see. And the only way we can see clearly is if we take those things out of our eye that's hindering us because it's going to show up in every, it's going to be a grid for everything that we do. And we won't be able to look at something. So a a leader that is in fear, that operates from fear, they're going to move people through fear and threat. So look at any kind of leadership like Syria. Yeah. How do they move people? Fear, Fear. threats, violence. In a lot of coaches, we do that because it sometimes gets you a winning result, but a cancerous team. You can't sustain it. You cannot sustain it. So you look at communism. You look at history. You can't sustain fear of threats because you need more. You need more and more anger. Players that are angry that go into the NBA don't last because you can't come angry every single night you're going to burn out you can't be that have that be your motivator so what is the highest motivation it's always love 
Would you rather have somebody cook something for you that didn't love it or was angry cooking it? No, love is the highest motivation. I think that's why we love mom was cooking so much. Because <laughs> we realize mom really loves us. She, she loves you and she's going to put the time and she's going to yeah. care and make sure it happens. You know, I think uh, as I'm sitting here having this conversation, um, kind of this picture comes into my head as, as a coach. Uh, you know, we, we preach, you know, health and wellness and, and taking care of yourself emotionally physically, I think sometimes we need to have leadership check-ins. Yes. And so I feel like um, what you're explaining is every now and then you need to take your leadership to the doctor yeah. and you need to say, hey, where all right, am I doing this well? Yeah. Uh, I lost a couple games. So yeah. I've lost a couple games this year. Am I now leaning toward motivating from fear mm -hmm. because I'm in the unknown? Yes. Or, okay, I'm winning a bunch of games. Yeah. Is it all motivating, but it's not sustaining because it's not real principles? Is it yes. fluff? And so I think it's really good yeah. for me as a coach. I think what I'm going to do this upcoming season, you know, being a head coach at, at Southeastern University, is I'm going to, in my schedule, and, I, and I'd encourage other coaches to do this, whether this is your AAU team or your, your, your girls' sixth grade team or this is your first year at high school or college, is, you know, put in your calendar a leadership check in. And just check in with yourself. Hey, we know ourselves better than anyone else, right? And check in and say, you know what? Am I motivating from fear? Am I motivating with love? Uh, is it authentic to who I am? Because one one quote that I love that I love to say, and I and I learned it from your dad, is is leaders are contagious, mm -hmm. and you get to you get to decide what energy you want to be contagious. Is That's it going right. to be negative? Or, or is it going to be positive? Yeah. Let me ask you this question. In, in terms of, of, of basketball coaches in, in, in high school, uh, when, they're, when they're trying to get through their players when the season's over, so they've been coaching them you know, every single day for three or four months, and the season's over, and they've been hearing their voice on the court, telling them what to do. When do you feel like it's appropriate to, to uh, bring them into a classroom and teach leadership? Because that's not happening. When the season's over and we're done on the court, we kind of are hands off. And it seems like from your leadership standpoint, there's so much more we can do that's not on the court that can make our progress on the court be so much better. So could you speak to that idea a little bit? Absolutely. So your, what's the most important thing, your body or your mind? Yeah. It's definitely your mind because yes. the mind is going to dictate everything else. And the, so your heart generates your thoughts, your thoughts generate your words, and your words generate your actions. Yeah. So anytime there's a, an issue, I'm gonna go first to the heart, and I'm gonna look at what kind of thoughts I'm thinking. How much negativity is there? And there's a tendency with coaches, they get really negative, they start, start speaking negative, they start thinking negative, and it really impacts the entire season and the entire program. So you wanna go back to training the heart to speak and think well, and that's going to translate into a different way of living. And this is a part where it gets really good because I know a lot of coaches, we love information, but we also love uh, uh, being able to write things down so we, so we can really make these things tangible for us. And, and Jennifer has, has uh, how a leader motivates, and it's the HELPS acronym. Yeah. Uh, could you walk us through the, yeah. through the H and just kind of talk us through that, and we'll uh, work our way down. Through so we call it above the line, living or motivating, and below the line, motivating. So below the line leader at the very bottom is gonna be in trouble. So when you think of, like I said, Syria, they're in trouble. Things that are in trouble, they're gonna move people through fear, threats, and violence. The next level is unhappy. Unhappy people are unhappy wherever they go. They go to Disneyland, what are they? They're unhappy. 
No matter what happens, nothing you can do. And, and we all have players like that. Absolutely. Like no matter what. No matter what, there, yeah. it's never going to be enough. And the way they try to move you is through guilt and manipulation. You don't spend enough time. It's not good enough. I, there's always an excuse. <laughs> yeah. The next is crisis and chaos. And so when a program, a, a differentiator is how does your program handle crisis? How do you as a leader handle crisis? And the typical like habitual response for people who are unaware, who are not prepared, they're going to go into retribution. They're going to have a witch hunt. So as soon as your program start, you know, you're going to start subbing people out. You're going to start blaming people. And the problem with that is creativity requires vulnerability. Creativity wow. requires vulnerability. Wow. When you go on a witch hunt, it immediately, or there's retribution or blame, creativity's lost on the team, vulnerability's lost on the team, and you, just, you see people shut down problem solving. So when the brain is trying to problem solve, the best thing you can do is to get it into gratitude. So when your team, when you start blaming, the team literally shuts down, and that's why multiple mistakes happen. That's the momentum of mistakes. The domino. The domino effect, because the brain starts getting into fear, it starts losing its ability to problem solve, and you'll say, what were they thinking? Well, they weren't. They're and that's what we call the timeout, we <laughs> yell on the court, we get the tea, yeah. and then we're all on trouble, yeah. crisis yeah. recovery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because to the crisis. And, and most people live in this place of stress and effort. Pressure, 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 and we push through pressure. But the problem is, what happens when you're under pressure? You're going to go to crisis. You're going to go to crisis or revert back to yes. bad habits. Yes. So above the line, the way that we want to live is um, a leader who's motivating motivates through self responsibility. That I need. To, when you hear coaches take self responsibility, it's an incredible teaching tool. And then the next is gra grace and ease. When when a coach has done it well, they operate from peace. When when there's pressure and stress, there's they create a feeling of peace. And when you've got peace and self-responsibility, you've got common sense. And you'll look at a team that's got common sense, you know that there's peace and you know there's self-responsibility. When you see no common sense, I didn't know it was my fault. Yeah. Who is there to blame? Or I didn't know what to do. I just <laughs> I didn't yeah. know what to do. And, and what you're really speaking to is how how do we create a healthy culture that's winning? A and, winning a culture. A winning culture that knows how to handle stress. Yes. That knows how to deal with unhappy moments. Yep. That knows how to deal with those things so they can live above the line. Now, yep. coaches, if you're listening to this in your car or you're walking into the gym, you know, Jennifer has a great handout for this. It'll be in the show notes. We'll put uh, some some resources for you. And we're going to con continue the talk of, of living above the line and how a leader motivates. When you're looking at your team, you always want to think, what? how do we go in a crisis? What is our, our tendency? Because we all have a tendency to go to what's easiest. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's paralyzation. Sometimes it's you know, some coaches, they sit on the bench and they start biting their nails, whatever that is. got to know where your danger zone is. And then you combat that with before the crisis happens, this is my mode of operation. This is my new pattern of living. So lay the, all that out. And then when you hit that crisis, discipline yourself not to go to the blame, the anger, the 
the apathy, this shutdown. And I think what you're speaking to for football coaches, it's the two minute drill, yes. right? <laughs> like, you know, for, for basketball coaches, it's uh, the last two minutes of the game. And yeah. you as a coach, you want to take over and coach every angle. Well, if you're doing this stuff in practice, when you get into that situation, you've put your players in positions in non-stressful environment of practice so that when the stress comes, they can still make decisions. Yes. With you backing them their decisions, because this is one thing I always tell the players and, and, and families all the time, when they say, hey, coach, congratulations, you guys had a great winning season. I remind them, I didn't make one basket this year. Okay. I, I, I never stepped on the court and made a pass. Like you have to allow your players to make decisions. And the framework that you're, that you're explaining is a framework that allows players a space to make decisions because their leader has given them the opportunity and the platform to do so. The word decide literally means to slay, to cut off. And we want to give people the best choice to make the right decision, the tough decision. And the, the closer the decision is, the harder it is. Oh, wow. You need your mind to be as free and peaceful as possible to make the best decision. So did you say, so you're saying like, for in a, in a scope of a 40 minute game, it's easier to make uh, the decision right at the jump ball. And as the game gets closer to the end, it's, it's even tougher to make that decision. And I think as coaches, that's our entire year. I mean, if, if you got practice tomorrow and you don't have your practice plan, you're going to be stressed and effort. Absolutely. And if you have practice in a month and you're doing your practice plans right now, then you're going to be able to walk in with a little bit of gratitude and comfort because you prepared yourself. You know, one thing I've really learned from NBC camps. Uh, which is hosting this podcast for coaches is organization in your space and then preparing ahead of time. Right. Coaches, I would admonish, you know, I always drop a nugget somewhere in the middle of the, of the show. Make sure you get your first 10 practice plans done before summer's over. So when you see your players, it's about them and it's not about your practice plan. You can walk into practice and you can't, you won't be stressed about the first 10 minutes because in August you got that done. So uh, let's, let's finish this conversation. Yeah. I always interject yeah. those, those coaching things. How, how would you uh, bring this all in for a coach when it comes to they're listening to this because they want to be a better leader? Can you give us just like three tangible things they can go do today yeah. to become a better leader? I would start a gratitude journal. Gratitude is, a, a, it clears your brain. It helps you problem solve. Anytime that you're in crisis, start writing down things you're thankful for. It'll immediately clear your brain. So I would just sit down for one minute, write down everything that I'm thankful for. And there is research on the power of writing it down versus speaking it. There's something about physically writing it down. So I would write down. Number two, I would get in the habit of knowing myself so well, I want to know where my danger zone is in the crisis. Any leader can be great when it's good. The separator is how you're, how I'm going to be when it's tough. So I'm going to have a map. I'm going to have a game plan. So when it's not if, it's when crisis hits, this is how I want to respond. This is the type of me I want to be. And the final one is I'm going to have a serious mentor who's going to sit down with me monthly and he's going to or she is going to review my game plan and my goals. I'm going to be accountable to them. And I'm saying, this is the type of person I want to be. And what do you notice in me? Watch me. Um, when I was having trouble with my 14-year-old daughter, I asked my dad to come sit in the room and he sat and watched me for three days. And at the end, he said, you do some things amazingly well. And these are the things that you do well. Get a leader that can tell you what you do well because you need to know your strengths. And then he said, your number one problem with her is you grab the hammer. Your tonality, did you get your 
task done. Listen how it sounds. Where did you write a thank you note? Did you follow through with this? What does that feel like? Interrogating. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels like interrogating yeah. and pressure. Pressure, like every time yeah. I see you, I have to do something. So if yeah, your yeah. teammates are your co wow. your kids are throwing off, they don't want to listen. They're having some trouble. Did you do this? Did you listen to the words? Words indicate what the motivation feeling is and what your impact is. Intent and impact are not the same. Find out your impact. Yeah, and you said something about language. Language is a locator. Our our, our, our players are going to tell us emotionally where they're at if we're listening. And we can only truly listen if we're organized, right? We can only truly listen if we have a game plan. And we can only truly listen if we are clearing the space in our head so we can coach our teams better, coach our staffs better, be better husbands, be better spouses, and make sure that we continue to grow as leaders. Now I'm going to throw a curveball and leave you with the, with the question that I like to ask um, uh, the guests that come on the show because one, they're brilliant and you've dropped some amazing information on us. So I'd like to see if we can condense it. And I'm going to kind of change the scenario up that I've used in the past. So you're at the NCAA national championship game. It's Gonzaga versus whoever. And there's, I've been there. And, and there, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, North Carolina. And, and you're at this game. And you ended up leaving early. Yes. And the big, big build scoreboard in the middle of the of the floor of this huge arena, it says, "Jennifer Furch believes." And you have one screen left. It's like ten seconds, and everyone is waiting to see what is the message you want people to get when they come in contact with you. I want my life to say. Live in such a way you make others better. Live in such a way you make others better. And that's really, did I love people? Did I make them stronger people, stronger players? And, and I love that question. Um, I mean, I love that statement because it makes us all question if we're doing that. And it really isn't me deciding yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't get to answer that question. Yeah, the vulnerability again. The way that gets answered is, by you yeah are you better or my is my family better yeah that's a great i think as coaches that that's a phenomenal way uh, to end our season did our players become better players do they become better people and if you apply some of these steps that jennifer talked about as far as what to learn from a bad leader the things that good leadership does and how leaders motivate you can take those things apply them to your program i guarantee you you will see results that end up in the win column both on the court off the court on the field off the field in your office out of your office once again this is coach rj bars in the locker room pacific northwest you can follow jennifer you can follow her story you can find some of her resources on there and we look forward to seeing you on the next show Thank you for listening to Outside the Arc. For more information about NBC Basketball Camps, visit NBCCamps.com and listen to other Outside the Arc podcast episodes available on iTunes.